Hi, everyone. Ashley Brown here. Welcome to the Hawks Insiders podcast as we continue to have a look at the uh, forthcoming uh, elections for the presidency and the board of the Hawthorne Football Club. We've got the big dog in today, Peter Nankerville, who is a presidential aspirant, acting president, I think, at the moment, with uh, Jeff Kennett indisposed. Joined by my friends and colleagues at HI, Daniel Prinsley. Daniel? Ash, nice to be here today and really excited to have a chat to Peter. And we've got Simon Morowitz. Hi, Simon. Hey, Ash, thanks for having me on. Um, this is a really important one, I think. Yeah, good to have you on for the meaty stuff, Simon. That's where you do your very best work. And uh, without further ado, we welcome Peter Nankable. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me on uh, Hawks and Spiders. Um, really looking forward to the chat. Um, it's, yeah. Um, I, I just, yeah, I, at the outset, I'd just yeah, compliment you all on uh, on taking such an active and and um, and productive role in in the in the election campaign. Yeah, thank you for that. It's uh, it's important for us to uh, speak to everybody, which actually are over. The, we have been and will continue over the next little while to speak to everyone. Just before a bit of housekeeping before we continue uh, on our regular spaces, uh, which will be the next one by the time this podcast comes out on. November 17, Cal Toomey from AFL Media will be joining us to run through the draft uh, from all perspective, especially a Hawthorne perspective. And if anyone knows who the Hawks are likely to pick up with apologies to you, Danny, it will be, uh, it'll be Cal. We look forward to having him on board. So Peter, we, uh, we'll start, we're starting with everybody with uh, this, uh, talk us through your Hawthorne background. How did you, uh, how did you get from uh, choosing to, to back for Hawthorne to, to being on the board and perhaps the next president? Thanks, Ash. Listen, I might, if it's okay, can I start with a shout out um, to a couple of mates? Um, and this will tie back. Um, these mates have been mates of mine for 55 years. I met them in the playground at um, St John's Catholic Primary School on Glenfrey Road, Hawthorne. And they're both subscribers to your show, Michael and Paul Shaw. Their dad was the club doctor at the Hawks, and Dr. Jim Shaw became a life member. And uh, and it's because of them that I'm here now. And um, and really, as I mentioned before, it sort of started out for me as uh, as you know, as for many of us, uh, primary school. Um, there was only one team to barrack for if you lived in uh, Hawthorne uh, in those days. Uh, uh, Hawthorne was um, had the had had its breakthrough win in '61, but in the in the late sixties, they weren't travelling as well. But then a really exciting time began, and uh, and those that late sixties into the early seventies, and and the success of seventy one. But yeah, I I grew up um, in Hawthorne, and in the days where um, well, there are eleven home games on the weekend, all starting at two o'clock. There'd be eleven home games at per season at Glenfrey Oval and I'd wander down there with my friends or my dad would take me down there. And that's and that's how it all began. Who's which player did you have on a footy jumper back in the day? Uh, I had uh, Peter Crimmins, number five. He and Peter, Peter had gone to the school that I was and his brothers had gone to the primary school that I was at. So he was a he was a local favourite. Yeah, and that, I mean, his school days are really well recounted in Dan Eddy's fantastic Crimo uh, biography, which came out, I think, last year or the year before. Uh, it's very good. Um, and how many, we asked a question, how many premierships have you been to of, of, the, of all of them? 
Oh, gee, I mean, I wasn't born in 61. I, I arrived in 62. I was there for 71, which was my first one. Um, never forget 83. That was my um, 21st birthday was that day. Um, and, uh, and that was a really, really big day. Um, and then uh, missed a couple in the, in, in the 80s. Um, and 91, I was living overseas. And then, and then obviously the um, came back strong in, uh, in, in, yeah, 08, 13, 14, 15. Very good. Well, I think they are rock solid credentials to be a supporter. We'll get into the meaty stuff. Um, we'll walk things back to this time 12 months ago that there was sort of a, a clamouring for the board at the time. And uh, Andrew G Andy Gowles withdrew his nomination for the board, reportedly on the proviso that he would be chairman of the nominations committee. Um, but it turned out, in, in the end, it turned out that you chaired the nominations committee. Um, so a lot of people thought uh, Andy would have been on the board if not for that. And uh, so can you just walk me walk us through the events of sort of 12 months ago, how that transpired as to you, you ended up chairing the noms committee and not Andy? Yeah, I think the, uh, um, Ashley, the, Ashley the, the details around uh, commitments to Andy for chair of the nominations committee you know, we've got a different version uh, of, of events to that. And I think what's, what has, what did develop um, from the board was uh, an understanding and appreciation that the nominations committee is a really, really important function at the Hawthorne, uh, is a really, really important function. And we, we took steps to convene a nominations committee that we wanted to have as a sort of standing committee of the board, not just set up for this presidential uh, for the presidential selection, but was going to be used for sourcing and identifying um, talented people to join uh, committees at the Hawthorne Football Club and to be part of, in effect, the, the, the development of a leadership program. So it, it, it wasn't going to just be a one-off. It was to be a, a standing board committee and, and the view was of the board that it was an appropriate, that, was, that it should be a board member who chaired it, um, and you know, I'd had experience of doing those sorts of roles in the past, uh, so I was asked to do it. Um, I should say, um, chairing a nominations committee uh, sounds a lot grander than it actually is. Um, those of you, uh, anyone who's chaired a committee, um, it normally means knocking out the minutes um, and putting an agenda together. Um, um, because that was that's yeah that's that's what you do. On on top of that, probably as well as being lumped with a lot of the action items to come out of those meetings, I'm that's, sure, Peter. That's right. Or you, you certainly start rattling them off. Absolutely. So um, out of the nominations committee came, um, I guess the fact that there was no preferred, initial preferred candidate or, or um, identified preferred candidate. Uh, and then I guess if my timeline's correct, um, you were asked, is that is that fair to say by uh, Jeff Kennett to reconsider your um, position and um, have become the, I guess the board's preferred candidate for the presidency. Um, how, how did that come about? And, uh, and what was the, I guess, the discussion around um, that situation and led to you changing your mind? Sure, Daniel, let me, I'll back it up a little bit by saying that what, what happened was that, um, and I think it's on the website, we, we actually convened the nominations committee. There were six people on it, um, uh, myself, 
um, Katie Hudson, Anne-Marie Palliser from the board, and then the independent members being Andy Gowers, uh, Don Scott, and, and Jeff Harris. And, and we set about um, embarking upon what a nominations committee uh, does. Um, and we went through you know, quite, a, quite a process. I think there were, I think there was over 19 hours of meetings and about, and about nine meetings in, in, in aggregate. And so during that, during that process, you know, I took the role on at the start because I was asked to take it on. I, I think at the time we're of the view that, that the next president ideally should be somebody who would be capable of serving the club for at least two terms. And that's, and that, so I, I'd formed the view myself that, you know, having been on the board for uh, eight years, uh, two terms was I, I wasn't I wasn't going to be up for that. So that's where I I, I took took the role on, and uh, as we just mentioned before, was the uh, chaired it, kept the minutes, organised the meetings, um, set up Zoom meetings. You know, did all of that, did, did all of that, and then we we got to a stage where um, yeah, we did interview candidates, and we had short lists, and we had lists, and and we as a as a group of you know, pretty strong willed people, and everybody obviously there, very respectful of one another, but acting in the best interests of of the Hawthorne Football Club. Um, going through the um, the list of criteria that I mean, we actually that you actually set for what you want out of a president. Um, as a, as a group of six, we were unable to reach um, a conclusion um, and with a with a recommended candidate. So that that was presented back to the board, uh, and it was presented back to the board in sort of early early mid June of this year. Um, I um, the, the that that job had been that job had been done. Um, the board and the the, com the committee reported to the board. Um, it was only it was after that um, that I was then asked by um, uh, a couple of the nominations committee members, um, you know, whether I would reconsider my position because I'd been asked in the meetings as well whether I'd, I'd do it, and I said I said no, uh, and I said I wouldn't. I, I, I really I only wanted to make a commitment for three years, um, and then in consideration of what the club. Is having to deal with at the moment, and 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 our plans for the next three years, and the opportunities that we we present that present. Um, I was asked to go away and reconsider my position, and I went away and I spoke to my wife um, and and kids and said, "Well, what do you think? I've made an eight-year contribution already. I think the club's in in a really good state. There's an opportunity here to to really." pull through on some of these decisions that we've made and look to implement them. And that's when I decided I'd accept the, um, the invitation of the board to be their nominee. There's a suggest, I mean, the issue some people have is that it's a fairly critical time for the club with a lot going on. And yes, there's a lot of issues um, that you're across having been on the board for eight years, but this is a time for the club to reset and perhaps look for someone who's not seen as a one-term Possibly bridging president. What do you say to that? Uh, I, I I'd say that uh, uh, more more than ever before, the decisions that we have made over the last three years that need to be executed on 
are probably the biggest decisions the club uh, has ever made. And these are, uh, we'll talk about the football program, I hope, you know, in, 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 in due course, but I'll just sort of rattle them off. I mean, that football program and, and, and moving out of a legend coach uh, without, uh, with Alistair Clarkson uh, to Sam Mitchell, which I, who I hope will be a legend coach in waiting as, as he's, um, in a, and he demonstrates his football credentials over the next 10 years, hopefully, with, with us. I mean, that's, that's, that's massive. That's the biggest decision the board makes. And you've got to get that yeah, right. I, I, agree, I agree with that, but I would say that, and this is to the credit of everybody, um, you know, the board and the, and the potential candidates, you've, one thing you have done really well is ring fence football from everything else that's going on. So I actually don't think football is an issue. At, unless you tell me otherwise, tell us otherwise, I don't think football is an issue at this election because I think everybody is on board and uh, in agreement with the football yeah, direction. Yeah. As I, I suppose the only bit of that I differ with you is that Division is death in a football club. So if you get the off-field right, the on-field's got greater likelihood of success. So an, an unstable and divided board you know, in, in, can often have significant negative, in, negative impacts into the footy department. That's, that's, I suppose that's the point there. Uh, the, the other element, though, and uh, it's sort of pretty well publicised and it's an exciting opportunity, is the Kennedy Community Centre. And what we're doing there to, to actually own 27 hectares of land and be able to build a purpose-built facility up. Um, you know, I was there literally right at the start negotiating at that acquisition. And, and whilst um, it's, a, it, it's also the, the, the next biggest decision you make about after your coach is, you know, where's the club going to be? And to actually be in a position now where we're literally on the cusp of implementing that uh, that decision by way of signing off on building contracts, noting that some civil works have started already. I mean, the embedded sort of knowledge that you know I've got in terms of that and in terms of the the ability to help execute on it, I think that's really really important. And then the third one, which is We'll be announcing our financial position at the end of the week in so, in so far as the, the club accounts, and it will become apparent to all concerned just the the impact of of selling out of these gaming venues. I mean, it is it is massive in terms of the club's balance sheet and what our um, financial profile looks like. And sure, there's an opportunity to do to to bit of cash flow funding for the KCC, but you know, imperative to this is setting up the Hawthorne Football Club for success in the future. And, and, and by that, I mean embedding in a, in, in, in a proper endowment or future fund so that the club exists in perpetuity. And you know, in the context of a variable funding model with the AFL, you have to take provision, you have to make provision for your own, for your own future. So they're, they're just, a, I mean, three pretty big matters. And I think that if I've got an opportunity to serve the football club for three years to, to, to implement those decisions uh, along with the board and the management who have been across it, you know, I think I'm, I'm really excited by that. Um, yeah, 
appreciate that, uh, Peter. A couple of a couple of questions following or piggybacking off that. I think one of the things you um, you touched on, and we put out um, a, a tweet and uh, asked Canvas questions from from the um, fans and members um, across that uh, that follow the Hawks Insiders, and there there was quite a lot um, across. Uh, all sort of spectrum, the whole spectrum of, um, you know, the, the election type questions. One of the questions um, that was asked was that, um, can, you, can you give us an insight into how, um, you know, two non-board members being the uh, uh, nominations committee members, um, Don Scott and Jeff Harris were able to uh, get access to the club database to send an email out um, to club members around the election. Sure. Well, I think what they, what Don and Don Scott and Jeff Harris do, did as independent members of the of that uh, nominations committee, they are, you know, as they are actually delegates of the board for the purposes of discharging their duties on, on that nominations committee. In the spirit of of an do their duties campaigning for particular members? I, I, I don't, well, they they spoke, yeah, I mean, in terms of they've got, they've got views and they they felt as though they they wanted to express those views then they were expressed um, pr pretty clearly. Uh, Peter, where exactly were the nominations for this election? Um, again, the, there's been a lot of the Hawks for Change people have been quite vocal saying that the Process for nominating for board positions for this election weren't uh, weren't announced or weren't made publicly. Where exactly? What does the Constitution of the Club require for board nomination to be called for? And where was where did the public notices appear? There, um, the, the, the club. Okay, the club followed the process that it's all that it has followed in in in, in years gone years gone past. Um, that was the same process as last year, as the year before, as the year before. And in terms of the, the this year, there's a couple of things to, to note. One, in, in, which I think are actually sort of made it even more public, and that is that we had a advertised nominations process for the presidency, but we also had an advertised nominations process for a board vacancy. Um, and the, the nominations period is set out in the constitution. Um, I mean, uh, this is, I don't, you know, I don't like to get sort of personal about this, but I had uh, come to my office on the 17th of July, um, Mark Hawthorne and Sarah Adams from Hawks for Change and Andy Gowers. And they sat in my boardroom and we talked about process. And they were told the timing. They said, the I told them the nominations period will be opening in two weeks' time. And it was open for 78 days. So, I mean, I think it's just being a bit cute. Right. Was it advertised on the web? Was it on the website? Or did the public notice a section of the Herald Sun? What, what, where, or are you just rely on, is the expectation people just understand how the constitution works and they find it? That, well... I'm, I don't think we've done those, you know, the two-line ad in the Herald for a, for a while. Um, I did it the other day. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, so, it, no, it, it, was, 
it was basically a reliance upon the, the practice and the constitution. Right. Another question I've got out of the election, Peter, is it's an unfortunate timing almost. And, and then after this, I want to get on to sort of more your, your plans and your style and that sort of thing, sure. but your, your vision. It's a, to me, it seems really unfortunate timing that Hawthorne has two female board members and they're up for election at the same, uh, the same election cycle. Given that uh, the media, which yes, I am part of, uh, sees little reason to, there's little incentive to give Hawthorne a good beating every now and again, it would surely be a terrible look for the club if the, if the polls work out that uh, of the three vacancies on the board, two males get it and, one, and only one of the, fem- of the three females up for grabs, that being Katie, Anne-Marie or Maria gets on. Um, so the headline will become Hawthorne, uh, board has gone retrograde and back, back, back to the past. As I agree, absolutely. I mean, in terms of, you know, I don't want modern governance and, and I mean, would requires diversity. Uh, that's absolutely. And I think, I think that we've got three incredibly strong female uh, candidates for these roles. Um, I mean, Katie Hudson uh, chairs our Finance and Audit Committee and, and, and does a, a fantastic job at it. Uh, Dr. Anne-Marie Pelletier is, you know, she's, she's a sort of female legend of the club in the sense that she's not, not a legend as in the official legend, but in terms of what her role was in, um, in, in Operation Payback and, and the work that she does around history and traditions, but also as a, uh, as, as, as a medico and the help that she gives the past players. And, and Maria Louie is, is chairs our, uh, Hawthorne Football Club Community Foundation and has put you know, hours and hours and, and, and has committed um, um, in, in committee and, and demonstrated her, her, her value. So, yeah, I agree with you, absolutely. Peter, um, moving on to communications from our current president and, and then into your presidential um, style, should you be elected, um, first thoughts on what, you know, what went through your mind uh, when you were reading Jeff's email to members describing the fallout from the cultural review, which is obviously playing a big part in this election, Hawthorne's position on that and, and how we act on it going forward as a club. Um, describing the fallout from that cultural review as a bump in the road. Yeah, I, uh, they're not words I would have used. Yeah, is it as simple as that? Um, do you have a position on the cultural review? Would um, how, how, how would you like to see or yeah. what action would you like to see um, taken from a Hawthorne Football Club point of view should you uh, be uh, voted in as president going forward? Danny, I'm, I'm um, at the moment um, assisting the club you know, quite very, very closely in, in coordinating the response to that independent panel process. So I'm probably a little bit limited in terms of the, the, the detail that I can I can talk about uh, as, as you know, we have a confidential process and and the like. So, but but what I should say, just in terms of of, um, of that cultural safety review, is that you know, as, as a starting point, as as an organisation, you know, we we've got a a commitment to the welfare of our people and past and present, and and we 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 took on um, an initiative in terms of going and talking to our um, First Nations current players and past players about their time and experiences at the club. 
And if you ask the question, you're not always going to like the answer. And that's the, ex the, the, uh, the exercise that we went through was asking the question and, 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 we, got, and we got responses and, and, they, and they were allegations. But as an organisation, you've got to be open and honest to, uh, to yourself. Uh, and and you've got to try and demonstrate, you know, what are the values that the Hawthorne Football Club wants to be lived by and be known by? And in terms of those values, open and honesty um, and also you know, compassion and understanding. So they're, the, they're my sort of guiding lights, principles in all of this. And it's, and, and, and so... I suppose in terms of where we're at now, we're, we're committed to the investor, you know, to participating fully and completely in an, in an investigation. And we want all parties to have the opportunity to tell their version of, of events in that, in that process. And, and, and we're working really hard to do that. As far as I can tell, something like this could either help bring someone like Sir Rioli back to the club or it could really confirm for him that he doesn't want to be part of the club anymore. So the best of your knowledge, how has this impacted Cyril and his relationship with Hawthorne? I, I, I haven't spoken to Cyril um, about, uh, about this. Um, I, I know that others from the club have tried to, and, and some have from time to time, whether it's by text or whatever. But, you know, I, I, uh, so I'm, I hope that... Um, Cyril will come back to the club. I mean, he is he 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 is a he is a loved and revered figure at the Hawthorne Football Club. So any initiative or healing that can can happen out of this that sees Cyril back at the club is is a good outcome. Peter, the famous Sandy Ferguson quote: "If you embrace Hawthorne, Hawthorne will embrace you." Uh, so right now there are several family or several players and their families who want nothing to do with the football club. Um, can the footy club honestly look itself in the mirror at the moment and call itself the family club? Uh, I think that all families go through tough times, actually. And it's and, and, and the strength of a family is how it gets through the through that. And I think um, the families that can get through those tough times together. Uh, and have those sort of honest discussions, um, I think the, the, those families survive and thrive. I, I, I really like that, actually, Peter. I think, um, you know, that trials and tribulations create a stronger family unit. And I think um, if when Hawthorne get through, you know, these processes and the Hawthorne, extended Hawthorne family, uh, and, and especially if they're, um, dealt with with the compassion and respect and care that you talked about previously. Um, I, I hope that, um, and I, you know, it's my my prayer as well that we um, that we do come out the other side a stronger, tighter knit family, and we can really own that family club moniker. Um, touching on your, um, I guess, your presidency aspirations, um, we have come from a well, we are coming out of a uh, president. Um, who is uh, larger than life, um, who is very outspoken uh, for good or for bad. Uh, and I just want to get a feel, and I know our listeners want to as well, on what your, should you be elected president, uh, what your presidency style would, would be like, and, and I guess how you hope to lead our football club in the future. Sure. Well, I mean, Jeff, Jeff is, as 
everyone on this call knows and listening to this podcast one of a kind. And and I I uh, I am completely different to Jeff Kennett. Uh, I've been in leadership positions in uh, you know over my over my life, and it's my style is a is a consensus is a consensus style. Um, you know we've got in terms of the leadership of the club, uh, it's 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 at a few levels. We've got um, we've got obviously a pres the president role, but we've also got a you know, a highly functioning and skills based board who really um, have the opportunity um, you know to to stamp their um, input into the club, in, you know, through those ver through the through their various functions, and then we also have that. You know, I think you know, one of the best management teams in 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 the competition in terms of uh, you know, Justin Reeves and our and our general manager cohort. And so, um, I mean, to the extent that you, you know, maybe in in a governance sense, you you characterise Jeff as an executive style chairman because he's very much leading from the front. You know, I'd be I'd be a little more traditional in my um, in my governance model. I mean, in terms of um, the presidency, um, it's it's to uh, it's to it's to work with the board to set the strategy of the club. Once the strategy has been set by um, with management, endorse and implement. Um, that we we would follow, we would hold ourselves to account um, to that to that strategy. In terms of um, in terms of the um, a couple of things I you know I would be keen to do. Um, the first one would be I I think that it would be really good for the president, our board member or two, and the CEO to take to do twice yearly updates with the leaders of various of our supporter groups. And, and, and we've got supporter groups, formal and informal, um, you know, ranging in number uh, and geographies, um, you know, probably 25 plus supporter groups across the club. And you know, from cheer squads to coteries to the thorn birds, and I think the actual the, the ability to actually sit down with with the, with those groups and take uh, take stock and listen and 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 get their input and ideas and what works, um, I, I think would be really really helpful. And and with eighty one thousand plus members, it's such a broad church. Of, of, so you, you you do you do actually have to do a lot of listening. You're not going to be able to give everybody everything they want. But but if you can if you can hear them out and give them and explain and try and explain you know, the context and the competing resources and the like, I think that's I think would be better for that. And then I think that in terms of the you know, the other communications piece to the members, I mean Jeff's got you know his his style, which is the the the, the letter to members. Um, now it might be that we become we become a little more innovative uh, in terms of that. You know, technology use, maybe a bit more the opportunity to use sort of Zooms a bit more. Um, and whether that's sort of quarterly updates from the president and the, and board members or quarterly updates from the president, the CEO, just sort of what what's going on in in and and those that want to join into that, you know, in real time can and they can be recorded, they can listen to it through. You know, we can take questions, and I th I think that's just sort of good engagement, and it's it's using, as I said, the the technologies in an optimal way. 
Peter, you mentioned that you had um, some Hawks for Change members in your office the other week, and um, I'm sure you discussed some of the things that they would like changed at the club. What, and then also you just mentioned that you're, uh, you know, like to be a leader by consensus and, and get the ideas from a broad range of people um, because, well, so my question is what, what, do, um, what are some of their ideas that you think are very good and that you would um, adopt? Simon, listen, to be really honest, um, I asked Andy Gowers the other day what was wrong and what needed to be fixed. He said he didn't tell me. He said there has to be change, but he wasn't specific about it. Well, we're getting on the podcast, so we ask him exactly the same yeah. question uh, in the next couple so of days. Yeah, maybe ask Andy. We'll, we'll be we're actually answering that 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 question of him. Um, we don't have too many more, but so what? What are the big ticket items? Obviously, it can be cultural. I've played a couple of things. It seems to be moving at snail's pace, and I know a lot of that will be out of the club's control with record rain in. October and the coming out of COVID and the shortage of building supplies. What sort of time frame can we expect? It was we were thought 2022, then we're told possibly 2023, but that seems to be unrealistic. Now, what's the date when you think the club parts of the club will start moving into Dinger? I think um, the sort of the COVID knocked us around clearly for a couple of years. Um, the uh, I think the the civil works have started. So if you actually go out, and I mean, I'm not encouraging people to go onto the site because it's secure and it's and uh, it's a building site, but you, you, you can actually see the ovals forming up now. You know, like the civil works are starting, you can see where the, the training oval is, the AFLW oval is, where the, where the, uh, the, ETAP, the elite training administration facility will be. So if we could sign these building contracts off in the next little while, the hope is mid-2024. Right. Um, Tasmania is a, it's, it's probably now a year to year proposition. Uh, I guess I see all the, the signage and the, the new merchandise gears all carrying Tasmanian sponsorship, which suggests it's happening for next year. But has the club started thinking about its future post Tasmania? And, I know, and I, I know you've already mentioned about forming a relationship with Tasmania to keep what you've got there, but the reality is you have fewer games in Tasmania and the sponsorship will likely disappear or be greatly reduced. Have you started planning for post Tasmanian future? Yes, yes, we have. And I think that. The beauty about this uh, this sponsorship and the way that this 19th uh, team or the license you know may roll out is that we're going to get a bit of runway to do all of this. I mean, ideally, it'll be it'll be over three years, maybe four, where we we actually get to to plan out you know, what our our new key sponsors will key sponsor will look like um, and and so who who they'll be. That's a that's actually a great commercial opportunity to actually um, to have that amount of time rather than there being a, a sudden death. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're hoping that um, we, you know, we can keep that Tasmanian sponsorship going uh, for a few more years yet. Um, feeling, just a couple more, uh, Peter, this has been fantastic. Um, looking at the sort of general free landscape at the moment, looking at everything, ladder position, political instability, even, you know, you might say moving from a, an Adidas to an ISC, you know, a global brand to a, a local brand. There's a feeling that Hawthorne's a second division club at the moment and is firmly rooted in the second division of the AFL. Uh, do you agree? And uh, do you think, how soon before Hawthorne get, yeah. do you think Hawthorne can get back to what we're, where, 
yeah. supporters would like it to be. Yeah, Ash, I think that um, I don't, I don't believe that. I mean, we've we've we came through an, a period of incredible success um, to win a three-peat and an equalised competition was uh, an, an, an incredible uh, achievement. We've got um, a list that I think is now probably only got one, I think it's only one player left from that from that 2015 era. Um, we've got the, I think it's, if it's not the youngest list, it's near the youngest list. In season 2022, we selected on average uh, 13.5 players, 23 or younger, through the home and away season, and that was the highest in the competition. I think um, I think Geelong were at six. So we you now you can just see it in that profile that we had eight players debut. Uh, that was the second highest in the competition. All five players that we selected in 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 the draft in 2021, uh, the national and the rookie draft played. So that was Waller, Butler, Sarong. Long, and we we went back and checked our records. We haven't done that for twenty years. Um, in the twenty three numbers, um, we've got ten players with champion data for performance rankings of nine or above. And the next team, the next clubs that have that those champion data ratings, um, have, they've got five players at nine or above. So when you throw in Sicily, Amon, Impey, Warple, and Hardwick, we think we've got. We think footy-wise, we've actually got a you know, really age-appropriate group. It's a young group, but uh, with Sam, you know, things can turn around pretty quickly. Now we're not putting a ceiling on how quick, how quickly we can get back into um, into premiership contention. But I, I just think I just look at those statistics and and to see um, how exciting the brand of footy was last year. We lost a few close ones. Um, you know, we're we're not that far off it. And I think in terms of the, the second division piece, that's you know, in, a, in, a, in, in a financial sense, and I'm not meaning to sort of bang on about the financial sense too much, but you know, we're one of the strongest clubs in the competition. We're unassisted. You know, we, don't, we don't receive variable funding from the AFL. And we've, we've done that off the back of the support of the, of, of the, of the members, our members, um, since 1996, you know, we've built ourselves up to this position, and we've got a great opportunity and a platform to go forward on it. Uh, well, that's very, very compelling arguments for the, the naysayers like uh, a few of us, even a couple of us on, on this podcast, who, who try that line from time to time. Some good people: Andy Gow with Ed Sill, um, James Bellino are good and capable people. Is there a if, depending on the results of the uh, forthcoming election, is there a way to bring them into the fold and ensure that the, ex I mean, actually being sport for choice with really good candidates, both for the presidency and for the board, is there a way to bring these people into the fold immediately afterwards, depending on results, to make sure that the best people are working for the club? Yeah, absolutely, Ashley. I mean, they're, uh, football clubs uh, are unique. They're passionate places. And, 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 and when you, so governance collides in, in there and you get these sorts of outcomes that we're dealing with now. But the, the overarching uh, objective is to make a better and a stronger Hawthorne Football Club. And the Hawthorne Football Club has, I think, been renowned or known in terms of how we go about things. There's a bit of, in terms of leadership and the like, there's a bit of a Hawthorne way 
and that is that you get the great people into the club and you look up and 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 they and they can be contributors and they can be contributors not only on the board but through committees and coteries and the like and 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 we you know i wouldn't want any any of these candidates you know lost to the more Blue club okay i think we might wrap it up there um give us your last 30 second uh call to depends the night before the election peter gives you a 30 second uh, call to action and why people should, uh, in particular, vote for you as a president because you're on that. It's a presidential battle between you and Andy Gowers. What's your pitch? Well, I think I think the pitch is that uh, football clubs the division is death, and I think what we have at the football club is a united um, board uh, with my proposal to have Richie Vandenberg as the vice president. Um, we then have the opportunity to present a uh, and execute on some of these big challenges that the club's dealing with, with a with a stability and continuity. Um, you know, we're, we're not it, the place hasn't going off a cliff. It's it's not as if we need sort of regime change. Um, let us get on and uh, and lead and run the Hawthorne Football Club and get back to playing and winning finals football. All right, we will leave it there, Peter. Thanks for your time and thanks for joining us on the Hawks Insiders. Uh, that's been the podcast. Don't forget our usual Thursday night spaces uh, with uh, Cal Toomey's Mayfell Media coming up on Thursday night. Uh, in the meantime, and don't forget the ballot paper's coming out shortly. Don't vote often, but vote early. Get your vote in. It's really important. If you're anyone who's listened to podcasts as a member of Hawthorne, it is your chance to shape a football club that's near and dear to so many people, have your say, use your vote wisely. Uh, Peter's mad, his case, we're hearing from all the challenges, so there's no reason why members can't claim to be fully informed. Danny, thank you. Thanks for having me, Ash, and uh, yeah, really like to extend a, extend a thank you to Peter for giving up your time, and uh, yeah, we wish you all the best for the election. And thank you, Simon, for joining us as well, and uh, Peter, once again, thanks for your time, been great to chat, been very generous. We'll talk to you all next time on the Hawks Insiders podcast. Thanks and goodbye.